0: Northern Kentucky Baptist Church this morning. Glad you're here with us. We're going to start this morning by standing and singing a song, In My Heart There Rings a Melody. We'll sing this this together as we stand.
1: You have a song in your heart. The Bible talks about God giving us a new song, and uh, when we know the Lord is our Savior, it's good to have that melody in our heart. Yeah. Most of you, we want it to come out, we want to hear. There's a few of you, we'd rather you keep it in your heart, you know, <laughs> but I'm just kidding. We can all make a joyful noise, right? Amen. And uh, we're glad that we can do that. We're glad you're here today. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Father, we thank you that we can call you our Father, that we can have a personal relationship with you through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Thank you that when we know Christ as our Savior, you put that song in our heart. You said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And we thank you for that. And Lord, today, what a privilege it is to lift our voices in praise to the only one who is worthy of our praise. We thank you that we can sing and honor you and praise you. We ask you to bless our service today. May we be blessed by it. May you be blessed and pleased by it as well. We pray for those here today that have special needs in their lives. You know what they are. We pray, Lord, that you would work and encourage and meet the needs. Some have physical needs. Some have financial needs. Some have emotional needs. We ask you to work in a mighty way in each of our hearts and lives. Some have spiritual needs. May they be met today. We pray, Lord, for some that couldn't be here. We thank you for answering prayer for Sherry Inskeep and bringing her through her brain surgery. And thank you that she got to go home. We pray you'll continue to give her healing and just touch and strengthen her and meet her needs in a mighty way. We pray for Mary Chance, who's dealing with a broken shoulder and a couple of broken toes. We pray for healing for her to meet her needs, Lord, in a in a mighty way. And we thank you and praise you for the good men's retreat that we had this weekend and for working in the hearts and lives of our men and using Brother Gibbs to speak to us. And we pray that you'll bless him as he's traveling out to Spokane, Washington and dealing with some cases there. We pray that you'll meet his needs as well. Lord, others that are ill at home, we pray for your healing for them. We pray for our Preacher, friend, brother, will He has a biopsy on his throat again on the 25th. We pray, Lord, that you would give him healing and just supernaturally meet his needs. Pray for Pastor Ochen in Radcliffe, Kentucky, who has terminal liver cancer. We ask you to give healing to him. and Be with Brother Ed uh, Reisinger, who's having a lot of arm and shoulder pain. We ask for your touch upon him and healing for him also. And Just meet his needs in a mighty way. Be with Scott Windish's mom who has a heart catheterization tomorrow. We pray that you would help her, that that will go well, and they'll find what needs to be done and just meet her needs, Lord, in a special way. We pray again now you'll bless this service, bless our young people in junior church and our nursery workers and little children's classes. And thank you for all that are involved in our church as we come together to meet as as a church family. Because of you, because of the name that's above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for him and him alone that we're here today. Bless this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I do want to say thanks to all the men that got to go to the retreat last night. Some of you are a little bit like me. We're still a little bit sluggish after Friday night and Saturday and And the men's three-on-three basketball tournament didn't end until like 2 o'clock in the morning. None of us were involved in that, I don't think, but uh, some of those guys were really up late. But uh, you had last night to catch up a little bit, but we're grateful for God's blessings in the hearts and lives of men. We'll get some of our men to share testimonies tonight of what God did in their life. If you're visiting with us today, there's a communication card in your bulletin. If you'd fill that out, we'd appreciate it. You can either leave it on the pew there or put it in the offering plate uh, later this morning and uh, give us a record of your visit. Thank you so much for being here. Also, if you would like, you can take that to the Welcome Center in the lobby. We have a new Bible we would like to give to you as a gift from us to you, and you can pick that up as you leave as well this morning. Listen to the choir. that are going to sing for us the song, I Run to Christ.
0: Thank you, choir. A beautiful song reminding us that we can run to Christ when we need anything. He's always there for us. We're going to stand up and sing our welcome song this month I Just Keep Trusting My Lord. We'll sing this as the choir comes on down.
2: I Just Keep Trusting My Lord as I walk along.
0: God for that. Thank you. Please be seated.
1: Thank you, Brother Mike. We are working on some verses in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, and I uh, hope you're working on these and meditating on them, memorizing. There's a, uh, just a word of explanation I want to make in here. He says in verse 21, they, "'Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, "'Thou shalt not kill.'" And Whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. Sometimes in our Bible, in our English Bible, there are words whose meanings have changed through the years. For instance, when the Lord talked about Job, he said Job was a man who, who feared God and eschewed evil. What does eschewed mean? You know, you stop and think about eschewed. Does that mean you chewed before or you chewed after? Or what is eschewed? It mean, it's an old English word, but it means to hate. We know We know what it means. Well, The word kill in this passage of Scripture literally means to murder. Um, When God said in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, he's not telling us you don't kill an animal for food or you don't. There's some reasons when you go to war that you kill and things like that. But this word here is murder, and we understand that. When you understand, God didn't make any mistakes in his Bible, and yet there are some words through the years that the meanings have changed and so when we get to kill, you can say kill, you can say murder, whichever you want to. It means the same thing uh, there, when you understand what the meaning is. But what has happened in our world today is the, the uh, I, I don't know what you would call them, the tree huggers and all that kind of thing. Those people say, well, that means you can't kill anything. Well, I'm glad. How many of you are glad you can kill spiders? <laughs> I'm glad you can kill insects. Well, there are times when that's necessary, so... Uh, just want to make that as a word of explanation as we go along, so you can say either one when you get down to that, all right? Let's say those verses together. Ready? Matthew 5, through 24. Ye have heard that it was said unto them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Matthew 5, 21 through 24. Good verses. I hope you'll work on those a couple of more weeks and meditate. Take a little bit of time in the morning to memorize and in the evening as you go to bed to meditate on it. Quote the verses back to the Lord and meditate on them. We're going to ask Mike and Angel Winkler to come and sing for us at this time.
2: things work for our good though sometimes we can't see how they could struggles that break our hearts in two sometimes blind us to the truth our father knows what's best for us His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you just can't see Him, remember you're never alone.
3: God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust
4: his heart.
0: Amen. Thank you. Let's go ahead and stand together. We'll sing our next congregational hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. We'll stand as we sing this, all three verses together. thank you. Please be seated.
5: For our scripture reading this morning, if you could take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 48, the 48th Psalm, we're going to look at verse 14, Psalm chapter 48 and verse 14. Bible says for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Let's pray. Father, what a comfort- comforting verse, what an encouraging verse that you'll be with us here on this earth until death and when we open our eyes we know to to be absent from the body is to be present with you. So ultimately we We'll have you forever uh, in this life and in the life to come. What an amazing promise, what an amazing comfort that is that the God of the universe on an individual level wants to comfort us and encourage us with his presence now and forever. Thank you so much for that. And Lord, as preacher speaks this morning, I just pray that you'd fill him with your Holy Spirit and that we would just see you clearly, that we would just see your love, your care for us. And Father, I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, correct us where we need to be corrected and again, encourage us where we need to be encouraged. But I just pray that ultimately we again would be pointed to you and that that you would be honored and lifted up and that our hearts would be just soft for the seed of God's word this morning. Lord, we need you for it. And we'll give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' precious name, amen.
6: Ah uh-huh.
1: Thank you, Jessica, for that good song this morning. Psalm chapter 48. We some of this psalm is more familiar to us than the rest of it. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject. This God is our God. In the first part of that chapter, verse number one says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation for the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. How many of you know that little chorus that goes along? Let's sing it, all right? You want to sing it with me? Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth, his mount Zion in the sides of the north, the city of the great king. A lot of the Psalms were put to music and they were the hymn book of the Old Testament of the Jewish people. And uh, so he starts out this chapter talking about the Lord Great is the Lord. And in verse 3, he goes on and says, God is known in her palaces for a refuge. Talking about the the city of God, which is Jerusalem. He says, verse 4, For lo, the kings were assembled, they passed by together. They saw it, and so marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them there, and pain as a woman in travail. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind, As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts. In the city of our God, God will establish it forever. Selah. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O Lord, in the midst of of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so is the praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go round about her tell the towers thereof, mark ye well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that, they, that ye may tell it to the generations following. For this God is our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide, uneven unto death. A kindergarten teacher one time told everyone in her class to draw a picture of what was most important to them. Everyone else finished their drawing and handed it in except for little Johnny who was sitting near the back of the class and he was still drawing, his tongue was hanging out, he was oblivious to everything else that was going on around him and the teacher graciously walked back to little Johnny and put her arm on his shoulder and said, Johnny, what are you drawing? He looked at his picture, he didn't even look up at the teacher, he just kept feverishly drawing and he said, I'm drawing God. The teacher said, but Johnny, no one knows what God looks like. Without stopping, he answered, when I get through, they will know. (laughs) What is the highest goal that we have set for ourselves in our life? It ought to be to know God. Amen? What is the best thing that we can acquire in our life? And the answer to that is an intimate knowledge of our God. Acting religious without truly knowing God is a dangerous thing. In fact, it is false security that we have in our life. Do you remember the Apostle Paul? Well, some of you aren't that old, but you remember reading about him. But you remember the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17, he came to the people, the religious people of the city of Athens, and he said to them in Acts 17, 22, he said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotion, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him... Declare I unto you. Sort of reminds us of our world today, doesn't it? There's A lot of people, I'm afraid, that ignorantly worship God. And it's our job as true, true believers to declare Him unto them. Amen? We who know the Lord are to be telling people about the Lord. Most people claim some knowledge of God. However, if they really truly knew God, they would show it in their lives. Religion without God, I'm afraid, is characteristic of many of our churches today. A rather rough and tough-looking Sunday school teacher was attempting one Sunday to impress his class of young boys about the importance of living the Christian life. And he said to the class, he said, Why do people call me a Christian? And after an awkward moment of silence, one of the boys said, Maybe it's because they don't know you. He was implying if they really knew him, they might not call him a Christian. Can I ask you, why do people call you a Christian? Do they really know you? Why do some Christians live such ugly lives? I'm afraid it's because... They don't really know God. Amen. Psalm chapter 48 and the last verse of the chapter says, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. That one verse teaches us much about God. This morning as we take a few moments of just thoughtful analysis of that verse, I hope that we will get to know God a little bit better. This 14th verse is the conclusion to this psalm and it gives us some interesting thoughts about God that are picked up throughout the chapter. It deals much with the setting of the city of Jerusalem and yet it also helps us to know a little bit better about the God of the city of Jerusalem as well. The opening words we read and sang in verse number one says, great is the Lord, great is the Lord. Those words put the rest of that psalm in its proper perspective. Great is the Lord. And against that background, I want us to look at this chapter and look at particularly this 14th verse this morning. Several things I want you to notice. Again, he says in verse 14, For this God is our God. First thing I want you to notice is that very statement, This God is our God. Can you say that this morning? Can you say, This God is my God? This is our God. It's my God. Those who make the claim that this God is our God should evidence that knowledge by living a godly life. There ought to be godliness in the way we live and the way we act. What does the word godly mean? A godly person is a person who is god-like. We should be like God. We become god-like when we truly know God and when we are changed by Him. The more we study His Word, we talked about that last Sunday night, as we look into the mirror of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit changes us into that same glory. We see the glory of God, and we're changed into that same image, He tells us. So a godly person ought to live a godly life. A person who says, this God is my God, it ought to affect the way we live. We are unlike God when we don't know Him. And when we don't know Him, we don't live like Him. So what do we learn from God in this first chapter, or in, the, in, the, in this first part of this chapter, chapter 48? There are several characteristics of God that, that the psalmist reveals to us. Some things about the nature of God. They're on the back of the bulletin, they're on your notes. First of all, the first thing in verse number 1 is He is great. He says in, in verse 1, great is the Lord. How many of you believe our God is great? Amen? We have a great God. And then He also says in verse 1, great is the Lord and greatly to be what? Praise. So he's great, he's also praiseworthy. He alone is worthy of our praise. We ought to be praising the Lord. That's one of the reasons we sing. We sing as a congregation, we have special music, we have the joy of the Lord in our hearts, and we have a song that God gives to us. He's praiseworthy. But verse 1 also tells us something else. It says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his, what's the last word? Holiness. He is holy. So in one verse we find we have a great God, we have a praiseworthy God, He is holy. Verse number 3 tells us He is knowable. He says God is known in her places as a refuge. You know, a lot of people have the idea that God's some great big being way out somewhere. I'm glad our God is knowable, amen? We can get to know Him as we read His Word and study His Word. We get to have a personal relationship with God. And then in verse 7, he tells us that he is powerful. He says, Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. He's a powerful God. And then down in verse number 9, he talks about his loving kindness. He says, For we have thought, we have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of the temple. He is loving and he is kind. I'm glad we have a loving God and a kind God. Yes, sometimes God has to deal with sin, and sometimes God, who is a God of love, is also a God of judgment. But He is a loving, kind God. And I'm thankful for that. Many of the religions of our world have a God <coughs> excuse me, who hates them, and they're constantly trying to do things to appease their God. We have a God that doesn't ask us to die for Him, though we may have to do that. But we have a God who died for us. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us on the cross at Calvary. And so he's a loving God. He's a kind God. And then back in verse number 1 again, it tells us that great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. It tells us that he is to be worshipped. He's to be praised. He's to be worshipped. We worship our God. And that's why we're here today, to worship the Lord. And then verse 10 tells us that he is righteous. He says, according to thy name, O God, so is thy praise. Unto the ends of the earth, thy right hand is full of righteousness. We have a God who's righteous. He always does things right, doesn't he? And he wants us to live a right life and a holy life. And then verse 11 tells us he's the judge. He says, let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. He's the judge. One day every person that's ever lived will stand before an almighty God and give an account for our life. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the what? The judgment. He's the judge. And there won't be any excuses that day. There won't be any passes to miss that judgment. We'll all stand there. Won't be anybody else who can stand in our place. We will stand for ourselves and give an account for our life. He's the judge. And then verse verse 14 tells us that he is eternal. For this our God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. He's our God forever and ever. He's eternal. Our God, eternal past. He has no beginning. Eternal future has no ending. He is forever and forever. He is our God. What a great God. Amen? No wonder the songwriter opens the psalm by saying, Great is the Lord. We have a great God. Who would not want to know Him better? Amen? We ought to want to know all we can about Him. The greatest saints of ages of the past have been men and women who desire to know God. And that desire propelled them and compelled them to draw nearer to God. Moses prayed in Exodus 33 and verse 13. He said, that I may know thee. And in verse 18, he said, show me thy glory. Moses wanted to know God. David's life was one of a long pant of spiritual desire. He said in Psalm 42, 1 and 2, As the heart or the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God for the living God. I wonder if we long to know God like that, like David did. Daniel said, in Daniel 11.32, he said, The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people that do know their God. Do we know our God? The Apostle Paul hungered and thirsted for a better knowledge of God. In his desires recorded in Philippians 3.10, he said, That I may know Him. Do we really want to know God? For this God is our God. These examples challenge us today to be serious in our seeking to know God and to know more about Him. Those who make this claim of verse 14, this God is our God, have the responsibility to prove their claim by demonstrating in their daily lives the characteristics of the very one that they want to get to know. We live godly lives. We live like God. The lack of an in-depth knowledge of God and conformity to His likeness Has brought, I believe, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today to a very low level of spiritual poverty. And we see that prevalent all around us. People who claim to be Christians, people who claim to know God, who don't really know Him. What do some of the best selling authors of today have in common? I'm talking about Christian authors. They want to know more about God. They write books to inform and inspire and encourage us to get a deeper knowledge of God. Bridges wrote the book, The Practice of Godliness. Packer wrote Knowing God. Sanders wrote The Pursuit of the Holy. Tozer wrote The Knowledge of the Holy and the Pursuit of God. Why this emphasis? Because a knowledge of God is the greatest knowledge that anybody can ever get. To get to know God. He is the all-knowing God. The omniscient God who knows everything. And when we get to know Him, we get to appreciate Him more. Jesus emphasized the importance of an intimate knowledge with God when He prayed in John 17, verse 3. He said, And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. This, He said, is life eternal, that they might know Thee. Now, granted, we get to know God when we get saved, in a sense, because that's the only way you get saved, isn't it? And when we get saved, we know Him in the sense that we begin to build and develop a personal relationship with God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, "...the highest science and the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls his Father. The songwriter wrote, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. So we meditate on this 14th verse. First of all, we see that this God is our God. Secondly, I want you to notice that this God is our guard. This God is our guard. If you'll go back with me to verse number 3 of chapter 48. He says in verse number 3, God is known in her palaces for a refuge. For a refuge. This God is our guard. This psalm, as I said earlier, is a psalm about the city of God, about Zion, about Jerusalem. And it is referred to in verse 1 as the city of our God. In verse 2, it's called the city of the great king. In verse 8, it's called the city of the Lord of hosts. Again in verse 8, the city of our God. You see, Jerusalem is seen in this chapter as being very near and dear to the heart of God. It was a place of refuge. It was a place of fortress, of safety. It was a place where they could run into a walled city. It was a place of towers and bulwarks it's all of this that is written to us to let us get a picture of a place of security and refuge and safety when hostile armies would attack they would run into the city inside the wall they took refuge there i've had the privilege of visiting jerusalem and seeing the walls there and some of you have seen them on television and some of the walls are gone but some of them parts of them are still there huge walls However, the the psalmist here recognizes something about that, and that is that the ultimate refuge is not inside the walls of the city. The ultimate refuge is in God. It's in God himself. He's the one that provides the safety. He provides it for us. He's the one that guarded and protected the city of Jerusalem in Bible days. It's not the walls, it was the God that protected the people of Israel. And so he says in verse number 3, God is known in her palaces for a refuge. God was recognized in the palaces as a place of ultimate refuge or ultimate safety. What God was perceived as being in relation to the city of Jerusalem, he is to all of his children today. He's a place of safety for you and for me to guard us and protect us. This God is our guard. America must never forget that our protection and our safety and our security is not found in our military strength. It's not found in our weapons of war. Our safety is still in our God whom we love and worship and serve. And if we forget that as a nation, we're in trouble. The children of Israel were at times when they were just small in number and they defeated great armies. There are other times when they were, were greater in numbers and smaller numbers came in and captured them because they forgot who was their safety. They said, our security is not in horses. It's not in, in spears and swords. It's in our God. And we must trust our God to protect us as a nation and as individuals. How many of you have had some time in your life when something happened? And I hear people say this a lot of times. They say, you know, I believe in, in in a guardian angel. How many of you ever had something happen in your life that protected you that you thought, I don't know how that happened. It must have been an angel or something. You ever have something like that happen? I heard about a fellow one time. He was standing, he, they were visiting this big area of of crocodiles and, and uh he was looking out and saw, and somebody, the guy that was there, said that they would give a million dollars to whoever would swim across the, the to the other side. And that, as soon as he said it, man, splash! This guy dove right in and went swimming furiously all the way across, got to the other side, and climbed out. Somebody said, "What in the world gave you the courage to swim across there?" And he said, "Courage? Nothing." He said, "When you said that, my wife shoved me into the water. I didn't have a chance to die." <laughs> We do have a lot of dangers in our world, don't we? I know you as parents pray for your children, for God to protect them. We ask him to protect from the evils around us. We ask to protect from the sickness and the illnesses around us. Aren't you glad we have a God who guards us and who protects us? Our God, this God is our God. This God is our guard. He guards us, first of all, internally. He guards us internally. If you'll go back with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4, I want you to notice what it says there in verses 4 or verse 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Our God is a guard who guards us eternally, internally, inside. Verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing... But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He guards us internally. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. We've had times in our life when we've seen people go through deep waters and great trials, and you've gone through some yourself, and you found the peace of God was with you to help you through it. I've had people oftentimes say, how in the world do they get through that? It's the peace of God. When many of us have gone through the loss of parents or siblings, loved ones that have passed away, we have found the peace of God that gets us through it. My oldest sister, I've told you about it a number of times when her son was killed in a car accident. At the funeral there, my, my sister and my brother-in-law, there was a smile on their face and people would say, how can they be so so?" smiley about the whole situation. They had tears in their eyes, but it was the peace of God. God gives you the peace, and God helps you to get through it. And he gives you the strength to do so. And he tells us in that passage, he says, he says to us, be careful for nothing, that means don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, he says, he says to us, worry about nothing, pray about everything, And be thankful for anything. And then he says, the peace of God that passeth understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He gives us peace. You know why we don't have peace a lot of times? Because we're worrying. We're fretting. We're not praying. And many times it's because we're not thankful. Do You understand that as Brother Dick Walker used to always say to us, how you doing, Brother Dick? He'd say, better than I deserve. We're better than we deserve, amen? Amen. David said, he daily loadeth us with benefits. God has given us so much and blessed us so many ways. And when we understand that, we have the peace of God. We can thank the Lord for what he gives and what he does, and he gives us the peace that passeth all understanding. Within the citadel of our heart and our soul, there's the peace of God that guards us. You say it's God's peace, not God himself. If you read Philippians 4 verse 9, he tells us that he is the God of peace. We only have the peace of God when the God of peace is present in our life. A lot of people don't have the peace of God because they don't know God. They don't know Him of their, as their Savior. I'll be honest with you, I do not know how unsaved people go through some of the tragedies and difficulties of life. I don't know how they get through it. We get through it because of the peace of God and the God of peace who helps us. He guards us internally. And then secondly, He guards us externally. He guards us externally back over towards the end of the Bible, the next to the last book of the Bible, that little one-chapter book of Jude, Listen to what verse number 24 says in Jude. Jude verse 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He guards us internally, gives us the peace of God. He guards us externally. He helps to, for us to live the way we ought to live. He says he's able to keep us from falling. How many of you know of a Christian who has fallen and failed and messed up in their life and gotten away? We all know some. Probably to some extent, every one of us would qualify for that. But aren't you glad there's a God who keeps us from falling? One of my prayer requests that I pray often is, Lord, help me to finish well. Amen? I know I'm in the latter years of my life. I'll be 70. Oh, I need to remind you, next Saturday I'll be 73, just in case. (laughs) Um, I know I'm in the latter years of my life. And I want to finish well. Amen. I've known too many people that haven't finished well. (coughs) Unto him that is able to keep you from falling. I can say, Lord, help me to finish well, but I can also say, Lord, thank you that you're the one that's able to keep me from falling. Amen. It's not dependent on me; it's on Him. He's the one. He guards us internally. He guards us externally. He also guards us eternally. He guards us eternally. Second Timothy talks about that in verse number one or verse, chapter one, verse twelve. 2 Timothy one and verse twelve. He says, for the which cause I also suffer the things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. When I got saved, I committed my, the keeping of my soul to God. To keep me until he gets me to heaven on that day. I'm able. I know whom I have believed, that he, he is able to keep that which I have committed. He's going to keep my soul till I get to heaven eternally. I can trust him. He guards me internally. He guards me externally. He guards me eternally as I trust in him. If you still have your place in Psalm 48, back up to chapter 46. Psalm 46, look at verse number 1 and 2. He says in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. David said, God's our refuge. He's my guard. I don't have to be afraid. Therefore will not we fear. Look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In verse 11, again, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He's our guard. He protects us. Check out the eternal security of Psalm 125 in verse number 2. You don't have to turn there. It says this. It says, As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about the people from His people from henceforth even forever. Talking about chapter 48, Jerusalem and God being their guard, he says, just like the mountains are round about Jerusalem, he said, our God is about us. He's about round about us. He says, he, he's there to guard us from henceforth even forever. How long? For eternity. That's pretty good etern- eternal security, isn't it? Huh. It's eternal, it's perpetual, it's forever. So Psalm 48 tells us, this God is our God. It tells us this God is our guard. And then thirdly, it tells us this this God is our guide. He is our guide. Go back to verse 14 again of chapter 48. He says, for this God is our our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. A God who cannot or does not guard is not God. A God who cannot or does not guide is not God. A person that wants God to be their God but not their guide is a fool. Do not walk with them. Self appointed guides have rejected God, so they have neither God nor a guide. We need the guidance of God every single day of our lives. And we need our God. We are lost and cannot find our way home. And we come to trust Christ and He saves us. And He gives us and guides us safely from the moment we're saved. And He leads us safely into heaven for all of eternity. Israel was a pilgrim nation. They journeyed from Egypt through the wilderness wanderings for 40 years and into the land of Canaan, their promised land, and God led them and guided them all the way. You and I are also pilgrims. This world's not our home. We're just passing through, the songwriter wrote. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 says this, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And since you and I have not passed this way before, We need a guide, don't we? We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. We know who will guide us, who will guard us, who will protect us. And praise God, he will be our guide, verse 14 says, even unto death. How does he guide us? How does he shepherd us? First of all, he chooses the way I take. He chooses the way I take. Psalm 23 in verses 2 and 3 says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Songwriter wrote these words. He said, Not what I wish to be, nor where I wish to go. For who am I that I should choose my way? The Lord shall choose for me, tis better far I know. So let him bid me go or stay. He chooses the way I take. Secondly, he cares for me on the way. He chooses the way, and by the way, we can choose whether to follow what he chooses or not. But he chooses the way. And if I choose His way, He cares for me on the way. Again, Psalm 23 says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. My cup runneth over. What is He saying? He's saying all along the way, all along the journey till we get to the end. And in the last verse of Psalm 23, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the way till we get there, He is caring for me. He's my shepherd and He provides for me. And then thirdly, he accompanies with me on the way. You remember that verse, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He's with me. Whatever you and I go through, we can rest assured that the shepherd, the Savior, our God, is with us. And he will guide us and help us and protect us. He accompanies us on the way. And then he also clears the way before me. He clears the way before me. Verse number 5 of Psalm 23 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou preparest a table in the presence of mine enemies. We have enemies all around us. And yet God clears the way and prepares the table. He feeds us. He takes care of us. He provides for us all along the way. He clears the way. I don't know how many of you ever had to clear a way through, through a wooded area or through high brush. But you know, you've you got to sometimes clear away the brush and the, the weeds and the briars to, get, to be able to get away through a certain area. And, and in life, there's a lot of things around us that God clears out of the way so that we can make it through the trail and the path and the way that He has for us. He clears the way. And then He also concludes the journey with me. He says in verse 6, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. He clears the way. He makes sure I get where He has determined for me to go. I don't have to worry about when I die, am I going to get to heaven or not. God's cleared the way. He's going to make sure. He's going to guarantee. If I have trusted Him as my Lord and Savior, He saved me. He has made me His child, and He's going to deliver me safely to heaven. As pilgrims going through this world, we need a guide who knows the way. We need a guide who shows the way. We need a guide who goes that way with us. We have that guard. We have that God. We have that guide in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our guide. On October of 1972, Two ships collided on the Detroit River. The Greek ship, the Navashipper, collided with the Homer when the Navashipper failed to make a turn at the proper time. The reason was not an equipment malfunction, but it was because the Navashipper did not have a pilot on board. A pilot is required by law to be aboard all saltwater vessels navigating the Great Lakes. The ship had left Toledo, Ohio earlier without a pilot because the pilots were on strike. Both ships, they said, sustained heavy damage and blocked the Detroit River from all the other traffic. And I want to say to you this morning, as Christians, we do have a pilot on board. Amen? Amen. We do have a pilot. He is on board at all times. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never goes on strike. And those of us who know him know that we he is our God. He is our guard. He is our guide to lift us up and strengthen us and encourage us. Because of the great truths of Psalm 48 verse 14, this God is our God. Forever and ever, he will be our guide, even unto the end of death. The songwriter wrote the words, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Do you know the God of Psalm forty-eight fourteen? Can you say this morning, this God is my God forever and ever? And he will be my guide even unto death. How can this God become your God? Jesus said, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In Matthew 10 and verse 40, he said, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When we confess to God that we are sinners and worthy of hell because we've broken His commands and disobeyed His word, and we put our faith and trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we understand that Jesus paid our sin debt on the cross at Calvary, we trust Him as our Lord and Savior, then we can say, this God is my God. When we open our hearts and invite Him to come in, this God becomes our God. He is our God, he is our guard, and he is our guide. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Father, thank you for a wonderful, mighty God. As we read and as we sang, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Thank you that we have a great and mighty God. And thank you that you expect us to Live like our God. We're not perfect. But you said, be ye holy for I am holy. There ought to be some God-like characteristics in our life. Because this God is our God. Lord, I pray this morning for those who are here may not know you as Lord and Savior. Would you help them to open their heart and life and say yes to you. Invite you in commit their life to you and live for you and serve you and allow you to be their God and their guard and their guide. Lord, those of us who know you, would you help us to follow you? You choose our way, but then we have to choose whether or not we'll follow what you've chosen for us. So help us to follow your ways and to live for you and to serve you for the rest of our life. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.